I recently watched another movie that I, I remember reading the book years ago. Um, it was a, it was the book was written in 2006 by a guy called Cormac McCarthy, and the book's called The Road. Has anyone ever heard of it or read it? Got turned into a movie in about 2009 of the same name. Mm -hmm. No one's heard of it. Hey, negative, negative, no road. So I'll fill you in a little bit. Um, the road is a, it's set in a, like a post-apocalyptic world, something, some unknown disaster has destroyed everything on the planet, uh, all plant life's dead, uh, all animals are dead, well, all plant life's sort of dying, um, most small plants are dead, the tr big trees are on their way to dying, there's kind of like this ash in the air, this atmosphere, and there's only a few sort of little, um, little bits of humanity left all around the place. Uh, it's a completely, uh, oh, it's, hmm, yeah, it's an interesting story. The story sort of follows around this, this father and the son duo, and they, the book just refers to them as man and boy, okay? Um, and it's a completely hopeless book. I'm not saying it's a useless book. It's like there is no hope at all in this book. This book is com like completely devoid of hope. In fact, the whole storyline, like you know how you think you have highs and you have lows? The whole storyline sits at like grey and then it dips down to like desperate stomach-churning lows. It's, it's, it's a fantastic date movie, date <laughs> night movie. If you've, I'm really selling it to you guys, aren't I? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's a very intense book. Like the, the humans in it, uh, the, what humans are left have sort of formed into gangs and they're running around raiding other humans as food. Um, they're farming other humans as food. It's a completely uh, hopeless situation in the world at this point in time. Joe's going to check it out. She, her interest is peaked. Um, I will, man, I will. It's probably on Netflix or something. Um, so the book describes just what it what it's like to have absolutely no hope. And I love the fact that it's, uh, I don't know, it makes me think about that. And I often think about, you know, what would I do in this situation? But it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting perspective that like Cormac McCarthy explores in this book because he's, he's trying to point out that even in this completely hopeless situation where everything's wrong and there is, you know, what hope is there of even doing anything? Of uh, Like this man and this boy, they're just following this road. Their only hope is to get out of colder weather to make it south somewhere for the warmer, for the, you know, to escape winter. That's all, that's what they're hoping for. But in the midst of this crazy, terrible place that the world's become, the human spirit deep within it somewhere is still looking for these little eking out, these little veins of like hope still trying to find some hope in this hopeless place. So that's what I want us to look at a little bit today. Um, so that's the introduction to the road of hopelessness. Uh, let's jump back into the road of like, hopefulness that we were in last week. Do you remember last week? What did we talk about last week? Emmaus, the road to. Emmaus, colon, the road to. Road to Emmaus, exactly. We were in Luke, Luke chapter 24. Um, and we were, we were looking at these two guys that are on the road and it's like a completely, like they, they've, they've lost hope. They've sort of punched out and they're, they're leaving Jerusalem. Exactly, Parky. Exactly. Exactly. Man, 
I was going to bring that out last week, but I was just like, oh, that's, that might be. Yeah, we don't know. That's true. There was these two generic term guys. Yep, humans. Mm, exactly. Mm, that's right. Um, we're just going to snip this out of the recording. <laughs> well, we just have an in-house debate. And going, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Parky. You're absolutely right. It could have been husband and wife combo or something as well. We don't know. But anyway, side note, get back on the track. There's this like derailing track that goes over a cliff and it's called Parky. <laughs> oh man, it is fun. Anyway, we were looking at the, these two people on the road to Emmaus last week. And they've lost all hope. They're punching out of Jerusalem. This person, this guy that they were following, seemed they thought was the Messiah, but he's, he's in their eyes at the moment, he didn't sort of measure up. I'm not sure. whether They're really not sort of sure what he was. There's a lot of rumours and sort of swirling around. So they're just going to clear their heads at this uh, historical battle place called Emmaus. You can go, uh, the sermon's up from last week on the podcast, so just go and listen to that if you want to fill in all the backstory around why they were hopeless. I'm going to say that a lot this today. I mean, hope hyphen less, not like completely like, not like you're a useless person, like a hopeless person, but like just have no hope, you know? Anyway, if you want to go back, read that. But um, we're, we're going to continue on. Like these guys were in a, in a hopeless situation. And I know you guys, we know the story arc of the, the road to Emmaus because you've read it multiple times through the week. I know you all have. Good on you for doing it. Um, we know it really well, so I want to take that, that, like, sort of, that story that happens, that, that road to Emmaus story, at, as framework. There's an Aussie with those balloons again in Sunday school. <sighs> That's twice. Um, there are so many, so many trails off over cliffs here, derailing me. Um, so we're going to take... Uh, this framework of this story. And I want to then, it's a little bit experimental today. I want to take this framework of this story and I want to bring it into the 21st century and I want to apply it to my life, okay? And we'll see, so let's sort of see how this turns out, okay? It might end up, the main road that we're traveling on might also go off a cliff, like the Parky one and the Nicole one, but we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how we go. It's not harsh at all. Um, <laughs> But we'll see how we go with this because, um, and it might not even sound like a normal sermon to you. It might not. And if that doesn't, then I'm okay with that because I'm not here to preach at you all the time. Like this is my sharing, what's going on in my life at the moment. So this will be me meshing sort of Luke's account from 2000-ish years ago with my 2020 AD or probably the last few years actually, my life from the last few years. And um, we'll see how it goes. So... I'm going to read little bits of our passage, and it might be a little bit different to you. So please don't crucify me as a heretic. So verse 13, that very day, two of them were walking along and talking to each other about all the things that had happened. That's how our story started out last week. But in this life, there are two guys, <laughs> two guys, they're well-meaning blokes. They're two well-educated blokes, sort of um, uh, relatively well-paid blokes. And these guys are two engineers. Okay? 
And I'm going to call them Jim and Bob to protect the innocent, okay, today, because I don't want to out them with their real names. Um, but I'm go they're, they're discussing the current events of what's going on in their life, what's been happening, as they're walking along to have their smoke break, or they're walking to a meeting, or whatever, okay? So what sort of things are they discussing this week? Okay, so Monday was an audio, so hey man, uh, how was your week? Like, what's, what's been going on? Well, yesterday, just watched the Super Bowl, Chiefs won the Super Bowl, yeah? But what was up with that halftime show? That was a bit, 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 bit conflicty, but you know, whatever. J-Lo, she's over 50 and yeah, she's looked after herself. She's got it together. And, and then they, they, they move on out of that crazy conversation. And then they're like, hey, so, and, and what about this rain? Like, how crazy is all this rain? Like, yeah, we're almost having floods. And you know, like a couple of weeks ago, we we're almost, we're having bushfires. Like, this is bizarre. This world's crazy. What is going on? I, it, and they're talking backwards and forwards, and it's just like, I don't know. Like, I kind of believe that the climate's changing. I don't know how much is man-made. Like, is this flopping and changing quickly? The fires, the water, like, is this all some part of that? I don't know. I don't know. And then they talk, they still keep talking, they're talking about, they're, they're compassionate guys. They, they're worried about the, the massive gap that seems to be widening up in the world between like, the rich people and the poor people and like our corrupt sort of capitalist ways of viewing things. Like, okay, we're, we're a hyper-consumerist kind of culture. Whether, does that drive it along? Is it like a chicken and egg situation? Do we cause the, the corrupt capitalism or does the corrupt capitalism cause us? Who knows? But they're worried about that and they're talking about, you know, how do we solve this problem, this widening gap with the rich and the poor? A little bit of socialism coming in, maybe, I don't know. And, they, they're, and then they're also talking about uh, sex abuse, scandals in the world, like all the stuff that was uncovered from the Me Too movement. And, and they're, they're confused about that. It's, it's, it's bad, but then there's these, these double standards on different things. And, and then it doesn't take long before then they start talking about everything that's going on. Like, these guys are wise. They're clued on. They know what's happening with geopolitics in the world. Middle East. When's World War III going to happen? The doomsday clock just ticked, you know, 100, what is it, 100, 110 seconds to midnight or whatever it is at the moment. The closest it's ever been, even since, like, the Cold War and whatever else. Uh, so they're worried about that, and then it doesn't take long before the big T comes up, and they're worried about Trump, President Trump, and then they're worried about, they don't agree with him, and they're talking about him, and like they're worried about his re-election, and they're, they're, these are their concerns. They're talking about the world, everything that they see that's wrong in the world, just like our two on the Emmaus Road. Hmm. So that's what they're doing. They're walking to their meeting room, they're discussing these things, it's their life, okay? They've lost hope in the world and they're walking. Verse 15 and 17. While they were walking and discussing together, hmm, Jesus came along beside them and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, hey fellas, what's going on? What are, you, what are you talking about? They don't recognize Jesus as he shows up 
because he's different to what they've been told that he should look like. They don't recognize, like, he's different. They're expecting him to come in some, they're not expecting him to come to them like this. They're not expecting him to come alongside and walk with them. So it's not, it's not Jesus. So they're, they're standing there bewildered. How could this guy say these things? And they looked a bit sad at the state of the world, everything they've been discussing. And before long, Bob speaks up and he says, come on, mate, you can see for yourself, can't you? You can see what's going on. And this stranger that's joined them says, what things? <laughs> and then he says, surely you can see what's going on in the world. Surely you can see what's going on in the world. Like, we're meant to be progressing towards this utopian kind of place. Like, we, human race is meant to be progressing. All right, we're meant to be getting to this place and it's not coming... This, perfect place, but it's not coming quick enough, all right? And like all our science fiction hopes, like everything from the last century said we were going to be living in space stations that were like a beautiful country, like everything, you know, trees and whatever growing in these things. We were meant to be there by 2020, but we're not like, look at us, the last couple of decades have been terrible, terrible. Like in, in, in the pursuit of making our lives better and manufacturing more and more cool stuff, we've ended up poisoning our home, uh, like our whole planet. We've gone into these countries where terrible dictators were and we've thrown them out, we've overthrown them, we've tried to bring democracy there, but we've just been stuck in war ever since. Uh, we made it okay for people to be okay with whatever, uh, whatever their sexuality wants to be. Like We've made it okay with that, but we've ended up with like more lonely people than ever before, uh, more sexual abuse than ever before, like all that sort of stuff was uncovered from me too, like we've, we've got such great communications, we've got like this humanity, like directory of humanity on the world called Facebook, but we're more disconnected from the people closest to us than we've ever been, we're more connected with our high school friends that live on the other side of the planet, we know more what's going on in their life than we know what's going on with my mum. These are the questions they're struggling to grasp, okay? And we, um, like they admit, like, look, we are one of the wealthiest generations that the planet's ever seen, but we still struggle under heaps of debt. And the world, there always seems to be like a new financial crisis coming, always. And look, we got complete freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want, like we can just go and do something if we want, or just go here or go there. We've got complete freedom to do that, but I'm spilling water. We've got complete freedom to do that, but now I'm bored with all that stuff. I'm bored with everything. And then, and then I've got to, I spend so much of my money just trying to get new experiences, trying to taste new things, experience new things, go bungee jumping, skydiving, you know, like, traveling around Vietnam on the back of a push bike, you know, whatever. Like, we spend so much time trying to experience these things because we, we, we deeply want experiences that we just can't easily have. And then they turn to this stranger and they go, no offense, mate, but your church hasn't helped the problem either. That church. That church hasn't helped the problem either. It seems like it's just another big corrupt institution just more interested in siding with political powers and getting rich protecting itself from in court cases than it 
is for helping people, I think we'd probably be best without it. And so they end their conversation with this stranger saying, we just need to try harder, we just need to get more political power, we just need to work harder at making this world better, like we're just not, it's not progressing, the world is not getting better, we need to, we need to fight harder. And then this person's shown up. He says, fools. Does he? <laughs> Guys, you're not, you're not seeing the full picture here. But you're, not, you're missing the full picture here. Like, God made everything. And it's when people go away from God's good design... That's when all these things happen. That's when all these things go south. But there is a God, and He came to humanity as a human. And He died as a human so that His Spirit can then be with that group of people, a group of His people on earth, and then in those little groups of people, the rules of the world can be flipped on their head. And these little groups of people, we call them the church, these little groups of people can be these little havens, okay, where there is peace and there is generosity and there's intimacy, where, these, where the, the rules of sex and money and power and war and everything like that are just flipped on their head and they're used rightly. And verse 27, and beginning, and beginning with Moses and the prophets and the apostles and the early churches, he interprets to them Jesus in the scriptures. So here the good message has got out in conversation when walking beside these two guys. It's got out just tiny piece by tiny piece over days and weeks. We um, won't get there yet. Over days, weeks, years, decades. And these two guys, Jim and Bob, they've got curiosity burning in them. There is a curiosity there. There's a curiosity. It's a strange sort of feeling and they can't figure it out. But it causes them to ask questions one day causes them to draw in and be curious and ask questions one day, but then the other day their self scares them away and they, uh, they want to shut it down the next. And so over days and weeks, ebb and flow and ebb and flow, ebb, flow, curiosity, skepticism, softening or shunning. Until this road, how, will, how long is this road? Maybe at the end of this road, they invite this guy in and they have a meal together. And then their eyes are opened as they break bread and eat together. Now Jim and Bob are just two ordinary guys, they're just two young dads who I have the pleasure of working with every day. Every day. I work with Jim and Bob, the real life Jim and Bob. I work with Jim Bob. <laughs> okay? 
and I just and but but who is Jesus in this 2020 picture? Who's Jesus when we bring this story, when we bring this framework into our world? Who's Jesus here? See, Paul, when he's talking to the Corinthians, he said, we were sent to speak for Christ, all right? And God's begging you to listen to his message. We speak for Christ and we, we sincerely want you to make peace with God. That's a paraphrase. It's in 2 Corinthians if you want to look it up. So Jesus shows up to Jim and Bob, these two engineers in the 20th century, Jesus shows up to Jim and Bob through the person that he charged to be his ambassador in this world. Who's that? Me. Yeah. That's how Jesus shows up in this world, through this story arc, okay? And I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm meant to be here spreading his word and doing his mission, and as, as, as are you guys, for the other Jims and Bobs and Janes and Marys and, you know, whoever else is around you guys every day, okay? That's you. You're, you're, you guys are ambassadors for Jesus. You, you speak for him to this world, all right? See, I think the road, this road to Emmaus, I think it's just this big framework that Jesus has set up, this symbolism of, of the road, Okay, it's got an end. It ends in Emmaus for these guys in this story. But in life, it's a road. Pucky and I, when we were driving back from um, meeting up with Colin Studley as well, we're like, we were just talking about what a road looks like. Like when you're on a road, it's a, a locality, not of itself. It, it's a locality that drags you to another one. Yeah, like you can't, you, we don't go and just have church. Hey, um, we're going to have church on Greenwaddle Road. We don't just go out there and have church in the middle of the road because we look at it and we're like, well, it goes off in that direction and that direction and, well, we've got to get someplace. So when you're on the road, you don't just sit still. You're going someplace, yeah? So it's for that reason I think Jesus has brought this in and and this road is a way of bringing something. It's a road of traveling. It's a road of bringing hope to this hopeless generation. There's so much symbolism there. Like... There is people in your life, I know, I know, because I know the people in my life are probably a good sample of what the people are in your life, but these people in your life are unsettled about the world situation, they are worried about it, Um, sometimes if they don't let it out, it's because they are either, they've pushed themselves to a numb state where they just don't care about it and they just want to zone out and just distract, distract themselves, or they're self-medicating to distract themselves from it. You know, sex, money, power, you know, whatever else, career, um, you know, just distracting themselves, watching constant movies, like playing constant, like games all the time, like just, just always distracting themselves, pulling themselves away from what is actually going on. Um, see, when we, the world we're in, this post-Christian world, it, it really wants justice and peace that Jesus' kingdom will bring, but it doesn't want Jesus. It doesn't want the view of Jesus that, it's, that it sees at this, at this point in time. It doesn't want the, the view of Jesus that it's portrayed as. It doesn't, you know, remember last week, those two different slides? They view Jesus not like the real one. They're like us as well. Like we view, we make it all up these, all different crazy stories of and what Jesus would have been like and what Jesus would stand up for. We don't really know the real one. So these guys are the same. Like the world is the same. They invent this story of Jesus. 
don't really know him. They, they just hear a few things about him and just believe that. They need to be shown the real one. So they want the... That they want that peace, they want the justice, they want the love and everything that comes from Jesus' kingdom, but they don't want Jesus. And so that's why in the, you have this whole undercurrent in society that says we should be going somewhere. They know themselves that they should be on a road, that there should be some sort of progression. All right? They know inherently, like, why? Why should we progress? I don't know, we just have to. So they want to progress. They know that things need to be getting better. All right? Have you ever thought about why that's the case? Why people inherently know, deep down in their conscious, that there should be some sort of progress? Like if, if everything here is just some giant cosmic dog spew that life grew out of, why, why is there a need to progress? Why? Like honestly, like ask anybody that. Like if that's really what they believe, like why? Why, why do we need to progress? Why? Why should we be progressing in any way? So I think people understand they should be progressing, so I think that's just great grounds then for us to help talk them through it, help bring that hope, okay? And it's often, I don't know, in my life, well, my limited, really limited experience, like it's off, I think it's slow and it's in humility and I think it happens over long friendship and a lot of messy conversations probably. Sometimes they can get a bit heated, <laughs> some guilty, uh, and then I have to apologise about that. Um, and sometimes there's even snot and tears involved with it. But it's all about, for us as Christians, it's all about bringing them, coming alongside them on this road and bringing hope to them, okay? So Willow Burn, I really think that like this world situation that we're currently in, I really think it's just the perfect grounds for us just to be easy conversations, just talking about people's worries in the world, talking about geopolitics, just talking about these things. It's just easy grounds for us to then bring people along, walk with people and direct them towards Jesus, all right? bring hope to the hopeless. And that's how we can continue just bringing, being this non-anxious presence in the world. Like Peter talks about it, like, you know, always be prepared to give what? A reason or an answer. Yeah, that's right. For the... Exactly. The hope that's in you. So if we're out there being non-anxious about the world situation, just pray it for all other conversations that we can then get these people that we can get alongside and come with. So that's, that's an alternate take on the road to Emmaus, bringing hope to the hopeless along this road. So I'm going to leave it there. And um, yeah, I'm going to pray.